So um, Habakkuk and chapter one, just read a few verses to start with, and then we'll um, just look at the a bit of an overview of the book as we as we go through. So verse one, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. But the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. Now um, Habakkuk, we don't know very much about uh, this man who was a prophet. Um, it would appear um, that he was probably a contemporary of Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah, you remember, um, along with Habakkuk, they were their prophecy was was much about warning the nation of Israel before judgment came. That was there when they were to, uh, to be taken off into captivity. Um, it, you remember that the leading up um, to that occasion. You remember that uh, it's about between eighteen and hundred years, I think it is, before Judah gets carried away into captivity. Israel, the northern tribes, are, have already descended into gross uh, sin and idolatry and have already been taken away by the hands of the Syrians. During that time, remember, it was King Hezekiah who had uh, prayed and uh, God had spared Judah. Um, after Hezekiah, there is the we have a, a, a very evil king, if not the most evil king to rule over Judah, King Manasseh. He actually reigned for the longest of all the kings, 45 years, and he did great harm to um, the nation of Judah. Um, following him, there was Josiah. Remember, uh, there was a small little revival before we have Jehoiakim coming, and again, another evil king, and it was during the reign of Jehoiakim. Remember that Daniel tells us in chapter one that Nebuchadnezzar comes into the land. Habakkuk seems to perhaps be um, alive, maybe at the latter end of Manasseh's reign, certainly just before, um, as we'll learn uh, from the book, just before the time of the, they're taken away into captivity. And uh, Habakkuk has many problems on his heart. There's lots of things that are troubling him. And... Uh, as we as we learn about Habakkuk and uh, the things he says, I, I feel that we can quite emphasize with how he's thinking. He he really is struggling in his mind to understand what's going on around him, and particularly how God it God fits into what he sees is going on in the world. Um, the first four verses I read to you were um, really uh, the prophet's problem I wrote down, um, the silence of God. And he, he, he cries out, uh, oh Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear me? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Verse three, why do you show me iniquity? Habakkuk here is, is, is really questioning God because 
authority is concerned, God is totally inactive and silent um, about the things that are going on. And uh, what he sees is going on is that the children of Israel, uh, God's people, are exceptionally sinful. God doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. You know, if you look at the time of Manasseh, the most wicked king that ever ruled, you learn some of the things that the nation got involved with under the reign of Manasseh. We read that he, he, um, he has calf cult worship again, which was the main sin of, the, of Israel. He brought in the worship of Baal, which is, of course, you remember the, the Philistines' god. Um, he brought in the gods of the Assyrians into, uh, into Judah. That's the sun and the moon gods. And of those are the Chaldeans. Um, you will read about the main road leading up to the temple being uh, dedicated to the, to the homosexual community where men masqueraded as women and painted themselves like Jezebel. The temple court was described as the abomination where the Canaanite religion uh, whoredom uh, took place. Um, they worshiped the Canaanites gods. Valley of Food in the lap of Molech. Um, and Israel was sinning and God was silent and the, 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 the righteous were suffering and the wicked were prospering, and Habakkuk has a real has a real problem with all of this. God is is silent. God is indifferent, and he is questioning God. Uh, and I think we can emphasise with that, can't we? Certainly, the times in my life when we might question the inactivity of God. Uh, what we appear to be the silence of God, um, why certain things happen, why God allows things to happen, why God allows his church to suffer, why does God allow people to claim the name of Jesus and yet do terrible sinful things, claim the name of Jesus and yet teach falsely and do great harm to the church and there are many things we might question God about and that's what Habakkuk does, and he seems to really struggle. His name means embrace or wrestler. And uh, we read in the first verse that it's a burden which Habakkuk saw. He's struggling to understand where God fitted in with what was he saw was going on in the world. And God gives him a response in verse 5 uh, through to 11. I've labeled. Um, the complexity of the prophet or the strangeness of God. First four verses, we've got the silence of God, then we've got the prophet's perplexity, and it's the strangeness of God because the answer that comes wasn't the answer that Habakkuk probably was expecting. Um, God says to him, verse 5, look, among the nations, watch and be utterly astounded for I will work a work in your days which will you will not believe though it were told you for indeed I am raising up the Chaldeans 
that's, that's the Babylonians, a bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They're terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from their selves. God answers uh, Habakkuk's questions. Uh, he's crying out, deliver, deliver us, deliver us from, from all of this, this sinfulness and this violence. And uh, he, he's crying out that God would make things better. And God's answer to Habakkuk is not only am I not going to make things better, I'm actually going to make things worse because I'm going to bring the Babylonians in and I am going to bring judgment upon my people. And uh, the instrument I am going to use, Habakkuk, are a wicked and a bitter and hasty nation, terrible and dreadful, to do my work, to be the instrument of judgment. I'm going to bring the Babylonians. And with this completely shakes Habakkuk really to his core because he is totally perplexed. He is totally, um, he doesn't understand the ways of God. He, you know, he, he was expecting that God would answer his prayers in a certain way. When he was praying, he thought, well, God, this is what we need. We need a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a punishment. Then bring about revival in us and bring about blessing upon the land. And then once again, there'll be great worship, the worship of the true and living God in the land of Israel again. Now, God doesn't work that way. The way that perhaps Habakkuk thought God should answer his prayer, God does something totally different. And he says, Habakkuk, this is what I'm doing. And you're not going to believe it. He said, but I'm going to bring um, the Babylonians in. Terrible and wicked people to be the instrument of judgment for my special chosen people. God, who is holy, was going to use an unholy instrument to do his work. And so I've labeled the section really from five through to 11 is the perplexity of the prophet and uh, his sorrows. He just can't understand it. He is crying out. And uh, the, the, in verse two, he cries out. And it's the first three he cries out again. And really the thought there, it's with a disturbed heart, a disturbed heart. He thought that God's response to his prayers, that everything was going to be a bed of roses. God was just going to deliver them and was going to source it all out. And he was going to purge his people and bring about revival. And God gives him a totally different answer. Or he really gives him, he doesn't give him an explanation. He gives him a revelation about what was coming. God wasn't there to answer the questions of Habakkuk. We might rightly, perhaps, in our natural uh, mind, question God. But God is not accountable to us needing to give us an explanation. He might give us a revelation that is of himself. He might give us a, a revelation about what's going to happen in his word. But God is not accountable to us for an explanation. But what he does uh, reveal to Habakkuk is that the answer to his problems is really that he needs to have faith. 
You'll learn in the book of Habakkuk as we go through that he tells uh, Habakkuk that the just shall live by faith. That well-known verse that's quoted three times in our New Testament. So the book of Habakkuk is quoted in the New Testament three times on three different occasions that the answer to Habakkuk's problem was really to lie in faith and uh, not in his own understanding. So God's ways are mysterious. God's ways are unexpected. Um, God doesn't work in the way perhaps in which we think he should do. And so Habakkuk has this real perplexity about the uh, revelation that God gives to him that he was going to use the Babylonians to punish his people. Um, then in uh, as you come to verse 12, verse 12, um, I wrote down there about the fact that we have um, the prophet's response, the prophet's theology, really. He's, 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 been on, he's been on tricky ground as he's been questioning God. He's been on thin ice, as it were. And uh, he's, 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 he's sort of all over the place as he tries to, to understand things about God that he doesn't know. He's trying to, to grasp the ways of God that he doesn't understand and he doesn't, he doesn't comprehend. And he's on this difficult ground as to, to understand the whys of God in trying to explain why the world is the way it is. Uh, he can't understand the, the, the way God is doing things, and he's on this really tricky ground. And so he, what he does is he seems to, to back up a little bit and uh, to think about God and to think about what he does know about God, to see if that would help him understand the things that he doesn't know about God. So in verse 12 of chapter 1, he says this, Are you not from everlasting O lord my god my holy one we shall not die are you not from everlasting so now habakkuk is is backing up and he's, he's putting his feet on solid ground and reminding himself of the things that he does know about god and the first thing that he reminds himself is God is eternal. Are you not from everlasting? As he surveys what's going on in, in around him and, and, he, and he looks over, the, over what, he's, what he's seen take place in the history of his people, the, the truth that Habakkuk does know is that his God was before history. His God is going to be there after history. In fact, his God actually determines history and has created history because he is the eternal one. He sits outside of time. He's not influenced or affected by the effects of time. He is the eternal one. And Habakkuk, if you like, is, 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 is hanging what he doesn't know about God on this hook of what he does know about God is that he is eternal. And that he doesn't need to worry about what's going on around him because of this great truth is that God determines history. Everything is in the time, time line of God and he can take 
confidence that his God is the eternal one. He says, O Lord, my God, my holy one. The term, O Lord, my God, is, 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 this, um, is the name of God that he is the I am. I am, again. Habakkuk's reminding himself, remember we thought about God as being the self-existing one, um, that he does not need to rely on anybody else. That's what's bound up in the term I am. God doesn't need anybody else. God is self-sustaining, self-sufficient, self-existing. Uh, I know that my God is the self-existing one. He says, I know my God is the holy one. God might be using an instrument of the Babylonians who are an unholy people that I don't understand why God's doing that. He said, but I know for a truth that God is holy and that God can't do anything wrong and everything that God does is right. Then he says, and I know this as well, he says, we shall not die. That is Habakkuk's hanging his, 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 his heart upon the fact that God is faithful. He's reminding himself of the promises that God made to Abraham and his people, that they would be uh, a people that would be um, as many as the stars of the sky and the, the sands of the seashore. Um, the promise that God had made to Abraham, a, a promise that he had reaffirmed to David, a promise that he had uh, made to his people throughout the years, that, that they would not die. God was a faithful God, a God who keeps his promises. To hear Habakkuk, although he, he couldn't understand and he was perplexed about God, about the way things were going, he decides to, to remove himself from, from the mindset he was in. And he, he looks and he thinks about God and he says, God's eternal. God is self-existing. God is holy and God is faithful. And he says, oh, Lord, you have appointed them for judgment. This is referring now to the, to the, to the Babylonians. Um, the, the God would judge the Babylonians as well. It says, you are of purer eyes than to behold evil. God, was, God is a holy God. And Habakkuk just reminded himself that it doesn't matter what, what um, God does, it will be right. It, it's, it's the prophet's perspective that was wrong it's it was it was Habakkuk's thinking that was wrong and there's this really uh, incredible um verse that you'll see at the end um of this chapter at the beginning of chapter two that Habakkuk in in so doing in stepping back and reminding himself of what God is like that he comes to this really quite incredible conclusion in the first verse of chapter two, he says this, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampant and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. In other words, I'm just going to sit back and I'm just going to watch these things unfold. I'm going to watch, I'm just going to watch what God does. And when I see it happen, I will just be reminded that God is right, and I'm just going to think about what I'm going to say when God reminds me that he was right, and I was, and I was wrong, and I, was mis, and I misunderstood God, that I, I didn't fully know that God's way was the best way, and 
God's way was different to mine. And he says, I'm just going to wait. And I'm just going to work out what I'm going to say when God proves to me that after time has elapsed and I see that God was right. God proves to me that he was right. I'm just going to work out what I will answer when I am corrected. So I just think that's an incredible thought. Habakkuk would just be able to stand back, um, having, having thought about what God is like, standing on some solid ground and just standing back and saying, God, I'm just going to let you work. Bad things are in your hands and you know the best way. And I can just put my faith in that you're an eternal God. You're, uh, you're self-existing. You're, you're a holy God and that you're a faithful God. And uh, I know that your way is the best way. And I will just, just watch and see that these things pan out. And I'll just wait to see what I will say when I am corrected. So he doesn't, he doesn't get necessarily... The answer he was expecting for God from his questions as to why these things were happening at the beginning of the chapter. But as God gives him a revelation and not an explanation about what he's doing, and Habakkuk is, is perplexed by all this. He just, he just takes a moment in his mind that his distressed heart to remind himself of what he does know. And he comes to this understanding, not necessarily to, the, to, to know all the answers, but he, he comes to have placed his faith in God and know that that's enough. That is enough to, um, that is enough for his problems is that he has faith in a God who knows what he's doing. So he learns um, as to what God um, is doing is indeed the right way. And then God, in chapter to two, God has a gives a response to, to Habakkuk. Um, uh, he gives him a, a prophecy, a revelation, if you like. Um, he talks about in uh, verse four: "Behold, the proud, his soul is not right upright in him, but the just shall live by faith." And that's through into and that's through God, the Lord speaking um, in chapter two. Then um, perhaps just a few thoughts. Uh, and just uh, giving a bit of an, an overlook of the book of Habakkuk, I commend you to go away and perhaps read the whole book in your own time. Um, you come to chapter three, where we have the prophet's prayer, um, prayer of praise, um, as he as he learns about the ways of God. Um, we have this quite uh, poetic language in the final chapter. Of, of the book, um, as we learn about the prayer of um, Habakkuk. Um, in verse two of, of uh, chapter three, O oh Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. So all these things that God had revealed to him, um, he was afraid. The fact that God was gonna use the Babylonians to come, the fact that God's people were gonna be severely brought under the judgment of God. They were going to be removed from their, from their land. There would be many of them that would lose their lives. They would be uprooted from their families. These things, um, although Habakkuk's heart, if you like, was, was resting in the faith of God, they still distressed him. 
still distressed him and he was still still afraid you know talk about the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak um he was still afraid he said lord i heard your speech and was afraid you know and 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 the lord knows that lord knows our hearts and he knows that we might know know these things and it's still okay perhaps be afraid even though we might have be placing our faith um in a faithful god we might still be fearful um but then he says in his prayer he says oh lord revive your work in the midst of these years in other words here habakkuk is saying you've shown to me god what's happening what's going to come and and habakkuk doesn't pray lord i pray for the peace of my people he doesn't say lord i pray that the babylonians will fail and that your people will defeat them he doesn't pray that his people will be protected and kept safe um that they may have traveling mercies as we often pray he doesn't pray these things he says lord do your work you've 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 given me the revelation of what it is you're going to do who am i to to intervene to to to, to step you know that's what how the lord taught his disciples to pray thy kingdom come thy thy will be done in heaven as it is on earth or on earth as it is in heaven so you know there's that the, the prayer of, of a believer ought to be one that's in line with the will of God, that we ought to let God do his work and not to try and think that we need to, you know, get God to do the things we want him to do. And Habakkuk here in his prayer, he says, O Lord, revive your work. In other words, do your work, Lord, do as you say you're going to do. That then he says, in the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember. I know judgment has to come. He says, but in his prayer, he says, Lord, remember mercy. Remember your, remember your mercy. He says, we don't deserve this. He says, I can't, I can't, I can't stand here and pray about all the good things that your people have done. I can't, I can't put forth, I can't put forth, you know, I can't commend ourselves because we've done all these, these great and wonderful things. He says we don't deserve. Mercy is something we don't deserve. But he says, Lord, in wrath, remember your mercy. Remember your mercy. Remember the just shall live by faith. And all this, God was going to, to protect the remnant, to look after those that were indeed faithful, because God is a merciful and a gracious um, God. Says um, in verse three, his glory covered the heavens and his earth was full of his praise. It's really a prayer of praise, despite everything that the um, the storm that's brewing, if you like, that has been revealed to Habakkuk. The dark clouds that are coming, um, Habakkuk finds it within his soul to praise God. He wants God to do His work. He cries out for mercy, and he is praising God in the midst of this storm. He knows there's nothing he can do to stop judgment coming, um, to stop, to stem God's wrath, but he, he cries out for mercy and he praises God. Verse, uh, verse 17, towards the end of this chapter, he's saying, though the fig tree may not blossom, 
nor fruit be on the vines, though the labour of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And really, you could actually translate that phrase, yet I will praise you anyway. You know, even though this storm's coming and all these bad things are going to happen, he says, I'm going to praise you anyway. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. He says, in effect, God, I trust you. I love you. I believe you. <clears throat> You're true, <coughs> holy, upright. I might be scared, but I trust you and I praise you. And uh, though all of nature may go crazy and there might not be anything that looks on in the world that is right, and nothing is going the way we might think it is going, or we might be anxious and worried. He says, I'm going to praise you anyway. His circumstances made him to shake, but his relationship to his God was unshakable because he says in verse 19 the lord god is my strength he will make my feet like deer's feet he will make me walk on my high heels the lord god is my strength he starts at the chapter the beginning of the chapter three in um in fear um he said i was afraid but ultimately his strength is in the fact that his relationship with God is unthinkable. And he praises God that despite this storm coming, um, he can praise God and trust his faith in God. Because remember, God, God's ways are different to our ways. And um, there is always, before glory, there has to be suffering. And God was, 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 was dealing with his people uh, on a bigger timeline than what Habakkuk could see. You remember, Habakkuk doesn't even have the perspective of the cross for his questions as to why. You know, we we have before us the ability to look back and we have the whole canon of scripture before us to help us with, with some of these things that Habakkuk didn't have himself. He never had the perspective of the cross, revealing to us <coughs> God's love, God's, God's pouring out of wrath against sin for everything that was past and everything that was present and everything that was future god is just and god is faithful he didn't have that perspective habakkuk you know even though we have that perspective ourselves we still struggle with these things we might still question god why does it seem that god is inactive but we must remember god has a totally different perspective on these things to what we do we need to we need to take um <clears throat> We need to be standing on, on solid ground about the things that we do know about God uh, and lead the things that we don't know about God to him. That's why he's God. But we need to just rest our, our hearts upon the fact that God is eternal. God is, uh, God is sovereign. God is holy. God is faithful. And he is bringing about his purposes. He will one day glorify his people, Israel. He will, in, he will one day glorify his church. We will share in the glory of Christ. Suffering has to come first, as always. 
truth taught in scripture. And God is working uh, these things out in his timeline and in his ways. And hopefully we can be like Habakkuk. That although we might be uneasy about perhaps things we see that go on in the world, and we shouldn't live with, with blinkers on, not wanting to see what's happening on in the world and looking at the news, but we should be able to interpret what we see going on in history as, as, as God having uh, his hand over it. God is in control of all these things. He is allowing the, the nations to rage. And uh, <clears throat> God has a prophetic timeline. We saw that in Daniel, didn't we? That to the very day, to the very moment, God keeps his, his timeline. And uh, the next part of the prophetic block will indeed be when the Lord Jesus comes again and takes us um, to, to be with him in the air. And then the prophetic clock starts again when the Lord Jesus will again come and reign again on the earth. And so we can say, despite storms we might have in our lives and we see in the world around us, we can say, like Habakkuk, yet I will praise you anyway. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my. I hope these things have been helpful. Just a look at the book of Habakkuk. Just remembering Habakkuk's problem. Habakkuk's perplexity, um, Habakkuk's response, the Lord's revelation to him and his prayer of praise as to what God reveals to him and his faith that he places in God, which is ultimately all he needs for his problem is that he would just put faith in God who has all these things in control.